Welcome to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay, fitting it all together to make teaching and learning in the junior grades more accessible, practical, and fun for both teachers and their students. Here's your host, teacher by day, mom of three, and curriculum creator of all the things from madlylearning.com, Patty Firth. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. Today, I want to have a little bit of a story time with you. For so many teachers, I get a lot of comments. I, at Madly Learning, sell a lot of inquiry-based learning activities. And there are many, many times where I have teachers say they can't use my products because the inquiry was too hard for their students or just inquiry in general is too hard for students. So I want to share with you a little story about something that has happened to my class and how I want to kind of get you to think about how open-ended inquiry is and how it can work for even students who you think aren't ready for inquiry. So welcome to another episode. My name is Patty, and I'm a teacher here in Ontario, Canada, and I am also the founder of madlylearning.com. We have a new episode every single week where we are talking all about teaching and learning in the junior grades. It's our hope that through these videos, we can help make teaching and learning simple, engaging, and fun for both you and your students. So let's dig right in. So I am only currently teaching part-time. Because I'm running Madly Learning, we made the decision that I wanted to spend half of my time running Madly Learning and the other half of my time still teaching. There's still very much part of my day where I absolutely love teaching. I think I'd have a very difficult time giving that piece up. Last year, I spent some of my time out of the classroom, still working part-time, but working more in a teaching support role, supporting students through ESL. While working with ESL students is one of my passions and some a population and a community that I absolutely love working with, what I realized is that I really, truly love teaching. I love teaching curriculum, specifically language, love teaching social studies. So I knew that this coming year, I definitely wanted to get back to the instructional side of having a classroom. It just so happened that there was a posting in the rounds of our posting and staffing in the spring where the perfect ideal position came up for me where I get to teach grade six and focus on teaching language and social studies to a homeroom class, which is exactly what I teach. So that means that every morning I go in and teach my lovely group of students. And then in the afternoons, I come home and get to talk with all of you through our messenger, our chat, our email, create these videos for you and also new programs for you that you can use in your classroom. So I get to do two things that I love, running Madly Learning and teaching. But as staffing happens because of this wild pandemic, it means that the other half of my classroom is covered by another teacher. So their math and science, phys ed and visual arts are covered by another teacher in the afternoon. Well, there's been lots of staffing changes as people are hired permanent, moving from long-term occasionals to daily occasionals. It doesn't matter what it is, but we've had a bit of an influx in our afternoon teaching staff. It has not been a consistent person over the first month of school. First little bit was one person. Then we've had about a two-week period where we haven't really had anyone covering consistently in the afternoon. So because of that and knowing the class the way I do, I realized that having a plan for what they were going to do was going to be important. 
that I knew as a teacher that if I had to walk in to a whole week's worth of class and have nothing planned, didn't know where they were, didn't know what they needed to work on and kind of making it up as I go along would not only be difficult for the student, but it would also be tremendously difficult for my students who were just craving some consistency as to what they were doing in the afternoon. So I volunteered with the approval of my principal to work with my students and plan out what they were going to be working on in their afternoons because it was no longer the responsibility of the LTO that had been there in the first 30 days and there was really no one responsible for it. So together with my students, we decided that we were going to come up with what they were going to be working on for the week in their classroom. Now, this is pretty much an inquiry task where students are in the lead. I'm not going to be the one teaching it. So I wanted them to take control over what it was that they were going to be learning because putting them in the driver's seat would make them automatically buy in and make the life of that LTO or that short-term occasional teacher that was coming in for the week so much easier because the students had ownership of what it is they were working on. So we had to plan two different things. Number one, they were working in the middle of biodiversity and they were also in the middle of math. Now they had finished up one unit and they could probably go ahead and do some math. So I put the decision-making power right in their hands. And I said, what are you guys working on in math? What have you covered? And what do you want to cover next? Well, the reality was is that they were shouting at all of these answers and a lot of them were not necessarily grade six expectations. But I thought, you know what? We can handle this. Let me actually show them the curriculum for grade six. So I pulled up the Ontario math curriculum and we went through it. I showed them the grade six expectations just in the strands. And I said, okay, here are your strands. These are the kinds of topics that would be covered in each strand. Which one are you interested in? Well, they gravitated. They were really interested in learning algebra, but they were also really interested in learning coding. So they voted and they decided to choose coding. So we opened up the coding expectations and realized that they needed to do conditionals. I asked them about their previous experience with coding, what programs they had used in the past, and what they'd be interested in doing going forward. They indicated that, yes, they had had some experience with coding and that they weren't exactly familiar with conditionals. So that was the focus for grade six for coding for math. So we were looking specifically at finding activities that they could do that required them to learn about conditionals. Once they picked the topic and once they knew the theme, they knew they'd be learning about that. And I would pull together some lessons, most likely from code.org, which was a tremendous resource. There's lots of other coding websites and videos on YouTube. So we pulled together a few activities. They made sure that they said they wanted to actually be coding with those coding blocks that you have with say Scratch or code.org, that they wanted to be able to actually code some things. So we used their B and May's conditionals lessons on code.org to allow them to have activities to do for the whole week. And that was set out so they have picked math, they know why they're doing it, they know what they're supposed to be learning, and they have a lot of ownership there. And now it is just the responsibility of the teacher that is in for the week to facilitate that learning that they have self-selected. They are owners of that material, they know what they're going to do and why they're doing it, and they picked it. Which means that the teacher is going to feel less of a top-down approach and more of, okay, they're going to buy into it because they know what's happening. Then we came across biodiversity. Now, they had been doing some work with biodiversity. They had covered quite a bit of it, actually, but there was a few elements that they hadn't. So again, I went through some of the expectations that they would be expected to do, and we came across the impacts humans have on the biodiversity of an ecosystem. 
So we were looking at that expectation. And one student came up with the idea of looking at a endangered animal because they had looked at endangered animals. Now that got my students really excited. And I was like, okay, cool. We're in it. They like endangered animals. A few of them said they were familiar with endangered animals from last year and the year previous where they had covered things in habitats and really had dug into endangered animals. They seem to have a penchant for animals and loving animals. They're real animal lovers in my class. They all have pets of some sort and love talking about their pets. In fact, some of their writing has even surrounded so far, has surrounded animals as the main character. So I knew this was going to be a hook for them. So I dug into it. So they had been shouting out a bunch of answers about different things that they wanted to focus on about biodiversity. The animals was something they hit on. So I focused and narrowed in on that piece specifically. So once we had that, it was ready to keep going. Now, this is an inquiry conversation. I'm covering curriculum. I'm being very clear that the topic is narrow here, that we have to cover something within the curriculum. But what exactly are we going to be covering? And what aspect of it? What are the questions we're going to answer? We looked at the comparison of what was expected for them to learn and endangered animals. And together, we tried to figure out how they could use a project on endangered animals to explain the impact that animal had on the biodiversity of the ecosystem in which it lives and what role humans played. So they just started coming up with questions. We started, and I was writing them out on the, on the board, and then I eventually transferred that onto chart paper, but we were writing out the questions that were on the board. What were some questions? What caused them to be endangered? What role did humans play? Can humans do anything to stop them from becoming endangered? What can we do? What other animals are affected by the fact that this animal is endangered? What happens if the animal goes extinct? What would happen to the animal then? We wrote all of these questions down. And from there, we started to discover there was a few questions. It was really the before, what caused it, and what are the consequences of it? So the causes and consequences of the endangered animals and the roles that humans play in both the causes and the consequences of that endangered animal species. So this became our project. This is a student-led, it's part of their curiosity, they're leading it, and it's exactly what we need to do for inquiry. So this, for me, is going, okay, is this hard? I'm not sure. So once we had these questions, I then pulled up the inquiry booklets that I have set out in my biodiversity unit, and they were pretty much the same thing that students came up with. They focused a bit more on endangered animals because that's where their interest lied. And we ended up using, I used the same booklet and added a few things to make it specifically about the topic that they had selected. And now they have a scaffolded booklet that they're going to work through the week to discover the answers to the questions they posed on a topic they said they were interested in. It's a project they came up with and it covers curriculum at the same time. And it's pretty much as close to being able to use the pre-designed inquiry notebook or research notebook that is included in my biodiversity unit, that it did take me a tremendous amount of time to quickly adapt what I had to fit their specific needs. It was a very general project where that could have been a focus of it, but I just made it more specifically about endangered animals and it works for students. So they know exactly what they're coming in. And the best part is I said to them, hey guys, guess what? Not only can you use this for science, but because you're doing writing, 
you can also use this as your October writing or as your monthly writing, that you can actually use science and count it for science and language, that both of those things are perfectly acceptable. That this, all of this work that you're going to be doing to research this endangered animal, all of this work where you're looking at the causes and consequences, that can all be used for language. We can present the information. You can do a presentation to the class about this if you get really into it. That can count as your oral language mark. We can take this and it can count for more than just science. It goes beyond science. And they designed it. They came up with the details out of circumstances that are not really their responsibility. The only reason they had the ability to plan this much of their science was because they had no teacher to plan it for them. I didn't plan it. I facilitated it. I facilitated them having control and ownership on what they were going to do on something I was not going to be there to teach them. Do they need to use the scaffolded inquiry booklet? No, I could have skipped that totally and they could have just gone with their research and structured it however they wanted. I knew that structuring it and giving them a scaffolded booklet was probably going to help them and I happened to have one ready to go. So it was easy enough for them to apply that concept, that idea to this activity. But that's how you do inquiry. You take student interests, you take discussions that you're going to have with students, and you put the ownership of what that's going to look like in their hands. Anytime you're thinking, hmm, I don't know what to do for a final project, stop racking your brain figuring out what it is you're going to do for a final project and simply ask your students what they want to do for a final project. Give them the parameters, give them the expectations and the things that you need to say, here, I'm the teacher, here are the things you're going to need to show me. How could you design a project? What could you tell me about that? All of those things are ways that we can use inquiry very simply and easily that puts our students in the driver's seat of determining how they're going to show their learning. We don't need every student in our classroom to do the exact same thing in order to show skills. In a previous video, I used the analogy of a car. We need to stop assessing the car they're driving and start assessing the skills they demonstrate when driving said car. We need to evaluate the expectations they demonstrate, not the projects they complete. Even through this project, I'm not going to be assessing the science expectations at all, but I will be assessing the language expectations because I can fit language expectations to the project they designed. I can fit science expectations to the project they designed. And because they designed it and they have ownership and it was their idea and it falls within their interests, they're going to be far more invested in it. They will see the purpose in the activity and they will work much harder. And for me, this is always the greatest advantage of using inquiry over teacher standardized designed activities where you are doing all of the decision making. If the decision making is in the hands of your students, it will be so much easier to teach. Because using inquiry, tapping into the curiosity of students is always going to be more effective and every single student can do it. So I challenge you, the next time you have a project or an activity that you want to do, don't plan it. Plan absolutely nothing of it. Pick a couple expectations that you want your students to demonstrate and put the ownership in them as to how they're going to do it and go with it. Because the rewards at the end are going to be so much better than you just having them create all one project because it's what you picked. So give it a try.
And then send me a message at info at madlylearning.com or tag me in a picture that you take of your students using inquiry in your classroom and tag me on social media because I would love to see you using inquiry in your classroom and all of the successes that it brings to your teaching. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. And we will be back next week and we'll be talking all about teaching in the junior grades. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay. Join me on www.madlylearning.com for more information on all things teaching in the junior grades. Don't forget, you can always catch this show on the Madly Learning YouTube channel. See you next week for another replay episode of Teaching with Madly Learning.